Welcome to this episode of Risk Engineers Talk Governance. My name's Megan, I work behind the scenes as producer. In this episode, due diligence engineers Richard Robinson and Gay Francis talk about the role of standards, particularly within the role of risk management and governance. We hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, please subscribe on your favourite podcast platform and give us a rating. Hi Richard, welcome back to another podcast session. Hi Gay, it's good to be here again. It's good to be here again. Um, today we're going to talk about the roles of standards and some of the confusion that standards is creating and the different types of standards. Um, so we do outline this in our criminal manslaughter booklet, How Not To Do It. So Richard's just going to run through a quick summary of the different types of stands, or have you got a bit of an introduction first, Richard? I have a bit of introduction okay, first. Go for your introduction. Uh, it's one of these important things. You see, once upon a time, Australian standards particularly was called up by leg- or regulation and legislation. Now, one of the consequences of the OHS Act in Victoria and the harmonised WHS legislation around Australia is that, uh, we've been told this a couple of times by different lawyers, that parliamentary council's advice is that it's inappropriate to derogate the power of parliament to unelected standards committees because if the committee changes their mind about something, um, then everybody's got to follow it because effectively it's got the power of parliament behind it. Now that was hammered into us when we, remember we did the um, Dangerous Goods Review for Defence and we were going around all the defence installations, we had a member of the Dangerous Goods Committee with us. We did. And, and, and that fellow said, well, I'm on the committee and so if we change our mind, it happens. And we sort of looked at him strangely and said, that can't be right. And that's why we found out about this question, the WHS legislation changing all this. Now. This has had the consequence of bumping down the role of standards, because standards, if they're called up by regulation or by the Act, obviously, have the same level of understanding. But after that, they got pushed all the way down. And I don't think it's something Standards Australia really hasn't quite figured out yet. Now, the reason why it's also important is that people keep saying, well, if I've done something to the standard, I must be good. I've but complied with the standard. I've, I've compl- I must be good with the yep. legislation. And the problem is that's not what the legislation intends. Now, the legislation says you've got to achieve the highest level. Of precaution, as is reasonably practical. That's right. It doesn't... Now, it is true that the Act only defines reasonable practicability, as one lawyer has pointed out to us, but if that's the case, why does the intention of the Act say the highest level? Now, it may be true that from a beyond reasonable doubt basis, the test of reasonable practicability would only be applied. Mm. But from a common law viewpoint, I would have thought the highest level that's reasonably practical would be the one that you would be tested against. Anyway, that sort of introduction then brings down to the question, what the hell is a standard? Um, And the problem that we've noticed is that standards, the fact that something is a standard doesn't mean it's really a standard, uh, and that's really the problem. Now, historically, standards have been developed in different ways, and I'm just going to sort of reading out the the five standard types that we're aware of from our little book that Gay was fondly fondly before. Um, The first one is standard as measures, as weights and measures. I mean, what's a kilogram? You know, what's a lumen? What, what, what's, what, what are They're these They're measurable things. They're measurable scientific things, yeah. although the way they've been defining lately is all in other physical properties, like um, uh, mass has now been defined in terms of energy just recently. Oh, OK. Uh, following sort of Einsteinian type things, which is really quite interesting. Well, the problem they had, they had this mass of kilogram at the, you know, after the revolution in France, and they had to define kilogram, and every time they measured it, after a few years, for some reason, it was slightly decreasing. <laughs> Only minuscule, <laughs> but, but it was inconvenient. Anyway, nobody argues about standards like that. They're not, it's not a moral they're question. Factual. They're factual. Yeah. The next one was specification standards. And this is the one which, um, I mean, Standards Australia was created by the engineers. 
and it was particularly the engineering standards organisation, and it was particularly a military thing in the sense that if you're manufacturing bullets, they have to fit the barrel or it's just kind of stupid. And so specification standards, they're not particularly arguable either. You know, they're sort of, either you're going to meet the standard or you're not. The next standard is standard as rules, and that's like AS3000, the wiring rules. Now, AS3000 is a pretty good standard. It's a pretty robust sort of standard, okay? If you're building a house, you'd normally build it to AS3000. But as we mentioned the other time, it's a standard, and that tends, it means it tends to, to, to inhibit things from, and new developments from occurring. Uh, I mean, for example, I, I think I used this example another time. Um, if you're wiring up a house, if you've got to achieve the highest level of proportion you can, um, the home handyman fiddling with the wires in the roof space doing them in, and you might remember the Royal Commission we had where people were stapling... Um, the new installation, yep. And people got killed, and the whole Royal Commission into that. Well, these days... You could buy the house with power of Ethernet, which uses extra low voltage wiring, 48 volts AC. In the roof. In the roof. Yep. All the lights could be power of Ethernet. You can get 25 watt lumens these, luminaires these days with power of Ethernet. A new building, a new house, should probably be wired with extra low voltage wiring and not up to AS3000 240 volt low wiring. That's what the legislation requires you to do. I've yet to see a house that's been built because of the... WHS legislation yeah. imperatives, but anyway. Oh, it has to be thought through anyway. The point is, this one does have some arguability, but for the most part, AS3000 is a pretty robust ad, and mm. if somebody's doing something to that, you wouldn't normally argue the point. But that leads on to design standards. And boy, are design standards arguable. Um, because there's any number of ways, if you're an engineer, you can do design standards. Um, the case uh, that, that I'm thinking of in particular is, uh, remember there was that large digger, uh, the big spinning rotary digger that got a crack in it? Mm-hmm. And um, the, they, they imported a German uh, professor of mechanical engineering, I think it was a doctor, uh, and he basically, he was a member of, of the, the Germans apparently have two mechanical design codes and he was a member of one committee. Um, and he chose to apply the standard with which he was familiar. Yes. And it went wrong. And so one of the big mining companies took it to Australian courts. And that, that's where that line comes out about, you know, engineers should, re, should, should remember that, that in the eyes of the court, an Australian standard only recommends, it is only about recommended practice. Mm. Um, you've got to do better than that if you can. Yes. Um, and they took him out for that reason. They took him down for I don't know how much. And that was because the second standard that was there had knew of this deficiency of the first standard. And and he was aware of that. And he was aware of it. And the second standard addressed that deficiency and he chose not to adopt adopt that for that particular purpose. Yep. So that means design things. And that's this quote from, uh, in fact, that's the quote I've got here. Engineers should remember that in the eyes of the court, in the absence of any legislative contractual requirement, an Australian standard amounts only to an expert opinion about usual or recommended practice. In the performance of any design, reliance on an Australian standard does not relieve an engineer from a duty to exercise his or her skill and expertise. And that's Paul Wentworth commenting on AS7000, which is the high voltage transmission standard. That then leads you to the last category, which is the one that drives us crackers. And that is technique or method standards like ISO 31000 or the COSO risk management standard from the... Mm. Um, it's about um, a process, how to apply a process. It's, it's a process. And it might or might not work for your organisation. Yeah, and it, it, such standards, I mean, I understand that you do need certain sorts of standards like that, like accounting standards. If you don't have some kind of commonality, how can you compare and understand what's going on? 
But this is more but a question. But they're almost guidance documents then, aren't they? Or methodology guidance documents of, you know, it's different ways to It's not a standard standard. Do, it's not like things. a weights and measures standard. No. And so from my, our point of view, I think we sort of came to the view that a lot of... When, when somebody says it's the risk management standard, that's actually a marketing term. That's yes. not a standard. No. It's just an idea. And I think with the standards in particular, the design standards and things like that, um, they're all re always retrospectively looking at it. They're what's been done in the past and it always takes standard a long time to catch up. Every time. Of, um, so it's not even almost recognised good practice sometimes. It's recognised good practice, you know, three or four years ago when the standard was written. Well, the one that sort of... I mean, this is historic because I haven't, I haven't actually looked at it lately, but you see, I was trained by Faction Mutual, as I pointed out earlier. Um, they actually designed the, the, the sprinkler standard for North America, NFPA 11. NPA 13. Um, NPA 13 was, in fact, the factory mutual standard, and there's a bunch of engineers, and if they have an unfortunate incident, they get into their research facility in Norwood, Massachusetts, they rack it up and burn it down and find out what the sprinkler standard has to be to put it out. Mm. The Australian standard, AS2818 on sprinklers, is based on the Fire Officers OFFICS Committee of the UK, which is the insurance officers. And what they basically do is, after a few buildings are burnt down, they sort of think, huh, Maybe the standards got quite, quite right. Perhaps we should improve it. But they don't, it's not an engineering design standard. Not so they the haven't actually tested it the way in that factory mutual test it? Well, they are doing it. They've now got their research facilities. Right. And Australia is starting to do that. But there's been a tendency to sort of... These things kind of osmo. They're not sort of engineered standard the way the factory mutual mm -hmm. certainly is. Mm. I think also in James Reason terms, and we talked about James Reason in a number of ways... Um, we always think that that standard approach is a bureaucratic approach, isn't it? Correct. Of standards, you know, it's sort of that minimum thing that you must achieve, um, and and the and the WHS legislation is really saying generative. What is the highest level of protection that you can achieve, Correct. rather than just what the minimum standard is? And you know, it changes the question from is it bad enough that we need to do something about it, creeping up to that standard level, to here's a really good idea. Why wouldn't we do it? Correct. Um, so, you know, standards can be as useful or, or not and, and I think everyone's got it that you have to comply with the standard and, and we say to our clients sometimes when you're doing work, sometimes standards actually aren't relevant to the piece of work that you're doing but you have to have an argument as to why it's not relevant and you can still be diligent by not applying a standard. Well, I mean, I sort of... It's a long time ago now but I was doing a, a, a job on an old folks home and the reason was... Mm. because they'd installed it to what was then the Australian Smoke Detection Standard. And there was some so that was their fire alarm system? Yeah, their fire alarm system. Yeah. And there were some crusty old souls in this place who were doing various things like smoking when they shouldn't be in bits and pieces in their rooms and so forth, and the alarm kept going off. And they kept evacuating the place, and more people were dying from the evacuation process than... Or from heart attacks from <laughs> the alarms. That's right. And so we turned up and said, well, applying the standard was not the right solution to the problem. That's not... It might be true... For example, in, in, a, in a student accommodation. But even there, I remember doing the work in the US all those years ago. Um, you know, if you've got people waxing skis and doing wacky things that students do around the place, the fire alarm goes off regularly. After a while, they just don't respond. They just mm. ignore it. Mm. And that, that's even worse. You, you only ever want fire alarms to go off when they're actually using the incident and then you want people to respond appropriately. Yeah. Um, so false the, alarms are um, the worst thing that you can almost have. Well, the 1937 chairman of Victoria Division of Engineers Australia got it right when he was talking about standards, I think. He, he sort of commented, I think it's one of those kernos, I, I got a bit lost, in, you know, the first professor of engineering at Melbourne was a kerno. I think it, I can't remember if it was a brother or a son, I got a bit lost in the, those brothers. 
you live in a street in where you're suburb where all the engineering professors are lined up. I've there got to you point go. out. Um, but uh, he made the point that the standards really only have two purposes in life: to prevent fools from their folly and rogues from their roguery. And the reasoning is. Um, uh, if somebody's made a mistake and you want to hang the poor sod, the quickest way to do it is say, you rotten bastard, you haven't complied with the standard, you're toast. And that's rogues from the roguery. Mm -hmm. But what you ought to be doing from an engineering design viewpoint is figuring out how you think it ought to be and then you check back against the standard, which is the sort of cumulative history of, of good designs, to, see, to test to see whether you overlook something. That you haven't looked, overlooked something, yeah. And that's fools, you know, that's fools from their folly. Mm. And if you do that, that, that's the right way to do it. And I, you know, that's 19... What did I just say? 1932. A long yeah. time ago. It's, you know, it's almost 100 years ago. And we're still arguing about what is the utility of a standard and we're still misusing them. Just going back to your story about the older ho folks home and you sort of realising that the standard or the building code wasn't appropriate at that case. But you could put in place things that um, were in line with the intent of the, the standard... That's what to, we did. to make sure, because you're looking at the function of it, you want to evacuate people and make sure that if a fire does occur, that the residents are notified and accordingly. So what you can do is you can actually put the first alarm to the nurse's station, which is what you believe I did. Someone then had time to go and have a look to make sure there was a fire and it wasn't just somebody, you know, that burnt their piece of toast or whatever before the full evacuation alarm went off. So you just have to think these things through, and it's not a not not just the automatic. The standard says this; we'll do this without thinking these things through. And I think standards are stop people from thinking. Correct. What needs to be done, and I think you've said it at the start of this podcast, was they really become almost inhibitors to what can be done better. You know, this is what the standard says, so that's all I'm going to do. Whereas in um, the legislation asks you to put in place what's reasonably practical and the reasonableness of some of those things that are emerging now is becoming more and more reasonable than it was 10 years ago, for example. And some standards are still 10 years old. Correct. I mean, that's one of the reasons... I mean, I think in this sense, Engineers Australia's abrogated its role to some extent when they basically just gave um, all intellectual property over to Standards Australia... Mm -hmm. um, uh, breaching the Code of Ethics of Engineers Australia, by the by, because there is a duty to, to, to give credit where credit's due. Um, in the NFPA standards, for example, the members of the committee are listed by name and which organisation they work for and who the alternates are in, 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 in Standards Australia is just organisational. You have no knowledge of who's on the committee or what they've done and who's ultimately responsible for this thing. Mm. Um, but that transparency question just isn't there. I just find the whole thing incredibly annoying. Um, and it inhibits engineers from doing their role and their duty under all this legislation that's popped up. It's really going to be fascinating with registration of engineers, which is popping up everywhere, just how well that's going to roll out. Because I don't really think people have been thinking this through. Uh, uh, but, you know, we'll We'll watch we'll that with, with interest. We'll watch with interest. So I guess for this podcast, what we're saying is standards aren't necessarily wrong, but you would need to be aware of the different types of standards, the information that they contain, and be careful that they may not, um, they may not satisfy your legal obligations under the OHS WHS legislation. Especially ISO thirty one thousand, but that's probably its own podcast. I think. Yes, I think we might cover that topic at a different session. So have a great day, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks, everyone.